You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast the day after. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com are our sponsors. With the day after comes an, an attempt to describe what we all saw on Saturday in Kid Brewer Stadium in Boone, North Carolina. Buck, a lot of North Carolina games have come in front of these eyes over the years, as has it over yours, and I don't know if we've ever seen one similar to this one. Carolina wins at 63-61. I certainly haven't seen a game like this before in all my viewing uh, years at uh, – of North Carolina football. It was just really, really strange game. 71 plays by North Carolina, 81 by App State, and every single one of them seemed to be have some impact on the game. Uh, difficult to describe game. Uh, I tried on my column this morning, but we'll see how good a job we did. It's just a very, um, you know, Appalachia State was like T-1000 out there. Um, uh, Maybe Jason can give us a hostel la vista baby, uh, you know, uh, during the podcast. But it was just such uh, – every time North Carolina thought they had App State pinned to the mat, they get up and, and here we go again. So, um, the way I look at it, it's a road win. North Carolina hasn't had one in the uh, last seven road game attempts. Um, and as well – over a decent team, Appalachia State. We'll see how their season progresses after this. But last three years, they've had a top 30 defense and a top 30 offense. So we'll see if that holds up. Uh, in the meantime, you know, we can all get out our crying towels about the defense and wonder when and if it's ever going to get fixed. But uh, take the win, move on. Georgia State's up next. Jason, uh, I want to talk about that defense at length on this podcast, and we can do that a little bit. But I, I, I'm going to start with Drake May, to be honest. Uh, you know, shout out to Brett Hickman. Whoever would have thought that Carolina would have gotten better at quarterback and worse on defense going into this season? That is exactly what appears to have happened. Uh, well, you know, some of us were some of us are not surprised that they got better at quarterback. Uh, I mean, that was the that was one of the things that. Uh, I was pretty persuaded coming into the year that, that that Drake May was special and that they'd be better at quarterback. Than Did they, you really expect him to be this good, though? Maybe Man. not this good, but close. I, I thought, I mean, if you go back and you read my preseason uh, scouting report, you know, I'm I, there's not a whole lot negative in there. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I thought, he'd, I thought he'd look real good. Maybe not quite this good. I mean, this is – he's a little ahead of, of schedule. But I'll just say I expected him to look about this good in his career and maybe this year, just maybe not necessarily first two games out of the gate. Um, but, you know, 
actually the, the transition, I, I said this on Twitter, the transition between uh, Sam Howell and, and Drake May is reminding me of the transition at Florida State between EJ Manuel and, and Jameis Winston, where, you know, you went from a quarterback who's an NFL quarterback, a really good quarterback and a, a quality college quarterback who took the program uh, and, and did a lot of good things. And then you replace him with a guy who's like, who you look at and you're like, oh yeah. So that's what like truly elite looks like. <laughs> and, you know, Drake's special. I mean, now we're going to have to see it against better defenses than this, but I, he's given me no reason to, to think that he can't do that. Uh, side, maybe- side note here that uh, I see, you know, watching some stuff on Twitter this morning. Drake may has nine touchdown passes in his first two games. <laughs> That's the most touchdown passes in the first two games by a freshman or redshirt freshman since at least 2000 and maybe earlier than that. I suspect earlier than that, but uh, somebody on Twitter went back and did the research. Three other guys are tied at eight. Uh, that would be Philip Rivers, Sam Bradford, and Spencer Rattler that had uh, as freshmen um, eight touchdown passes in their first game. Mace had nine. So, yeah, that's <laughs> again the guy. The guy uh, he's given me no reason to think that he's going to uh, slow down when, uh, all that much when he plays against better defenses. Now, uh, now there are going to be some struggles. He's going to throw some picks here and there. Uh, there's still going to be some inconsistency. I mean, he's still young. Uh, and they've, they're not perfect around him. I mean, he's difference with some of those guys, you know, Spencer Rattler was playing on a team that, that around him had way more talent uh, offensively and experience offensively than what, what Drake has. And, and so, you know, that we'll, we'll see how that all goes as they step up in, per, in, uh, in competition and personnel that they're facing. But, you know, he, he did what he did yesterday without his best receiver. And without one of the you know four or five best receivers in the country, so I mean, guy's pretty good. Now I don't think, I mean, I I was probably one of the most bull or one of the most bearish people on whether the coaching staff changes would actually really materially change a whole lot on defense. But I'm surprised by what I'm seeing on defense. I, I mean, I, I don't think even the most pessimistic. Uh, people evaluating UNC coming into this year foresaw them giving up 40 points in a quarter. Three what was it? 338 yards and 40 points in a single quarter to a group of five team. I I, I mean, if there's somebody out there who thought they who who expected to see that coming this year with that defense, I, I'd like to shake their hand because I I didn't see I didn't see that. Two uh, touchdowns in 31 seconds. Yeah, and and the thing is, those weren't fluke touchdowns. There's no special teams touchdowns. There's no defensive touchdowns in there. There's no onside kick, recover, and score touchdown on there. It's straight-up offensive touchdown. Well, they had a fumble recovery touchdown where, you know, it gave them a short field there. Yeah, in, in, the fourth, <laughs> yeah in the fourth quarter. But those two, those last two, those were just knife through butter, <laughs> no uh, – no fluke at all those were you know nothing nothing funky those were just i mean wow uh 
now it did it do, does go to show i mean i i, I remember uh getting some flack a few years ago a couple years ago for uh for talking about when you're in that in, in the situation where you can kneel and, and kneel the game out do not score that touchdown that's selfish and i remember some folks like oh just you know he's got to score the touchdown you're you're you know it's What's the difference in, in, in percentages, you know, like half of a percent or whatever? Well, Nesbitt ran that onside kick in, and that's what gave the, gave App State another chance. That's selfish to score in that situation, and it's even more selfish to to celebrate down the sideline in terms of uh, uh, getting that flag and giving them a shorter field. You know, if, if they catch that, and this is what you try, you try to coach him to do it. And I know the coaching staff is yelling, get down, get down, get down, but it's hard to do as a player. But that's something that within your program, you, you just, you have to cultivate of here's our situation. I know you want to score. I know you've got the end zone there. Get, you know, take off running all you want, get, you know, get 20 yards or whatever, and then go down. And then we kneel this game out and it's 63 to 56 or, or, or 63 to uh, 55. And no, you know, no problems. So that's something else. But I, again, getting back to the defense, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm as blown away as anybody in terms of the amount of talent that Carolina has. And we're talking about, you know, now sophomores and some juniors that are blue chip talent, that are, that are excellent recruits that got just embarrassed and at, at a certain point, you know, look, right now, the problem is not talent. It's not a lack of talent. Yeah, there's a little bit of limited experience in certain cases, but the problem is not lack of experience either. So if it's not talent and it's not experience. But what do you think about that? And, and I, I tend to agree here. I mean, seeing – this game up close, and I freely admit I hadn't watched it on video yet, but just it was just it was too easy for App State. Granted, Carolina did the same thing to them, but I um, mean they're a pretty good defense. But it, it just seems to me that there is still this major disconnect in what Jason just mentioned—the talent and the experience versus the production. And I, I think he, I think it lays at the coach's hands. I said last year, you know, the adults in the room. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Well, I mean, what's going to happen? You got Georgia State, who's not bad. South Carolina finished them off, and then you've got Notre Dame coming to town in three weeks. I mean, is this going to be the norm going forward, Bucky? Do you see some sort of shift here, or growth, or whatever you want to call it, coming? Okay, so. I'm going to go uh, in this direction with it in terms of can it get fixed? And are there any signs that we have that it could possibly get fixed? And one of the things that, you know, really reaching to find something uh, positive things to say is uh, there was a, like a 30 minute period in this game in which. App State didn't score at all. They scored in like the first few minutes or first seconds of the second quarter, didn't score at all in the third quarter. Uh, and so for about 30 minutes or so, North Carolina kept them scoreless. And as I was watching that, I, in my notes I'm taking during the game, um, I wrote down, you know, 
North Carolina's not giving up any chunk plays at during this point of the game. And Jason yesterday on the Inside Carolina live radio show that happens pregame, tune in and listen to that. It's very good. Um, that uh, happens every uh, game day. Jason said that, you know, who wins this game is going to depend on who gets the most big plays, who gets the most explosive plays. And he said, well, that's a little bit, you know, maybe, you know, uh, every game is that way. But in this particular game, during that period of time when North Carolina was holding App State to nothing, they were forcing uh, punts, field goals. uh, They got an interception. The defense did not allow any chunk plays. And then headed into the fourth quarter, they seemed to forget how to stop a big play. And in in some ways, this makes it worse because App State scored 61 points in really half a game, essentially. Uh, They got 40 of them in the fourth quarter. But if you want to look for positives, some gleam of light, North Carolina has the ability and the talent to hold Appalachia State scoreless for a lengthy period of time. So the coaches got to figure out what went wrong um, during the the other 30 minutes of that game. And the other part of it is you can see North Carolina players demonstrating that they have the ability to be good. Uh, Early in the game, I I don't know how many people paid attention to it, but Dez Evans looked as good as I've ever seen him in like the first couple of series of the game. Um, there are other players that look very good. Sed Gray was a monster out there. Um, DeAndre Borkins may be the best open field tackler on the UNC team. There's a lot of players that that's a show low flashes. Bar. That's a low bar, though. But yeah, I, I'm, bar. I'm with you. But still, um, you know, he's good open field tackler. And there's there's other players that made plays and can make plays. Um, Appalachia State is going to force you to make a play or otherwise they're going to score. But um, So I think there's a, the ability to play well talent-wise on the North Carolina defense. And for a huge stretch of the game, it worked. Now, what happened for the floodgates to open? You know, they're going to have to you know, either cut up that tape or burn it up, one of the two, uh, to figure that out. But if you're looking for any sorts of gleams of, you know, possible uh, positives that they can build on, that they can get better. And, you know, I think Mac Brown said it well in his post game uh, in a press conference that if you've got an offense, that's already and offenses usually are behind defenses this time of year. If you have an offense playing as efficiently as North Carolina's offense, if you can keep your defense, if you get your defense improving over the course of the year, you have a chance to be really good. So we'll just see how that plays out over time. But we've got to see some results on the field before we can actually you know, be optimistic about that. Jason, to Buck's point there, I mean, I, that's what I'm interested in is, is how did the switch flip on and off? I mean, App comes out firing on all cylinders. 
And then to Buck's point, I think they scored, what was it, a minute, less than a minute into the second quarter. And then nothing, virtually nothing, until 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then they scored six touchdowns in 12 minutes, like we've already talked about. I mean, where's the divergence of production coming from in those in those time spans? It's not just game to game. It's now game within games and, and quarter to quarter. That's what I, I think is the hardest part for at least me to understand. So I'm a little less optimistic about that little blip because I'm looking at the at the drive chart right now. And what I see is 14 drives from App State. And there's that little chunk in the middle where there are four drives where they didn't score. So that's that lengthy period. I mean, it was a lengthy period, partly because it was separated by halftime. But here's their here's their results in those 14 drives. Touchdown, 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 field goal attempt, punt, turnover on downs, interception, touchdown, 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 touchdown. So, I mean, when you look at that, you go, okay, so what what made the difference? Well, one, you had seven play 41-yard drive that ended in a field goal missed. I mean, yeah, that's they didn't score a touchdown, so good job, guys. But, I mean, still move the football for seven minutes and 13 seconds and seven, seven plays. 41 yards and you know it's not like the defense really bowed up there then you had the last drive that uh, of theirs before the uh before the half which was uh a minute 44 four play punt now that was a pl- that was a drive where they they you know they got some pressure on the quarterback and i think they got their hand on a, on a ball there but you know good job all right then they had a uh they had a five minute 21 29 Minute or five minute twenty nine second drive of twelve plays for thirty eight yards, which you know you'd say twelve plays thirty eight yards. Well, they had the fifteen yard penalty if you remember, so they they moved it thirty eight yards, but they actually moved it uh, what uh, fifty three yards on on twelve plays and then turned it over on downs because they actually did get stopped. But if you remember there, they had a couple drops on that series that would have been first downs. You know, a, a slight overthrow and a, and a drop. So, I mean, those guys were open. They had chances. And they just, you know, at missed some opportunities in this game. None more than the, the you know, the first two-point conversion, which should have won the game for them. I mean, the guy was wide open. And if he keeps running like he's supposed to towards where, where that ball's thrown, we're talking about a loss right now, most likely. So... You know, did no did should UNC be you know get the credit defensively for getting the stop on that first two point conversion? They they didn't get. I mean, that's the equivalent of a of a corner. You know, one of those corners that you know is beat by three steps. Quarterback overthrows the ball or whatever, and then you know starts celebrating, acting like he did something in coverage. And it's like, dude, you were beat. So you you but anyway, you have those that that on downs, and then you have. The one big stop right after that, and this is where essentially they got three stops in a row, not including you know the, the field goal attempt. I'm not really counting as a full stop. That's a half stop. But then they, then they had the uh, Cedric Gray interception where he did a great job on the RPO, kind of stayed in the run, rush lane, and then uh, got, got right in front of that glance route, and it was a good catch, good, good athletic play. 
but that was just one guy making a really athletic play. And that, that basically boiled, boiled down to what, what happened. So it's not like there was a switch that got flipped where, oh yeah, you know, the defense really just showed out that they could stop them, you know, all of a sudden. And then the, the gates opened. It was a little bit more fool's gold than that. It was, you know, you had one player make a really good play. You had a combination of a couple of uh, offensive shooting themselves in the foot situations where, you know, Gene Chizik likes to say, if you, if you make a team, uh, you know, have to drive the field in 12 plays, you know, normally college offenses are going to make some mistakes. Well, they had a 12 play 38 yard drive and they had a 15 yard penalty. They had, I think a 10 yard penalty in there somewhere. They had a couple drop, you know, that was a situation where the offense made those mistakes and, you know, that that kind of proves what, what Chizik is talking about on that. Problem is, on all the other drives, you're looking at, you know, after all of that, eight plays, 71-yard touchdown, three plays, seven plays, three plays, eight plays, two plays. Uh, they're not even making them go 10 plays. So Right, but see, I think, I think I'm not trying to uh, sugarcoat anything or try to, you know, talk, be, be a Pollyanna about it. Oh, yeah, defense. you're not going to be positive about this one. No. Uh, and, and, but the thing that I'd look at, not disputing anything you say is that in virtually every one of their drives and you were rolling off some of the you know, the numbers, as far as the number of plays in a drive. And if you, and if you look at that, when they scored their first 21 points, app state was reeling off chunk plays. They were reeling off chunk plays during that, during that time when they were scoring so rapidly and so, uh, proficiently. During the time when they weren't scoring, North Carolina was able to prevent those chunk plays. So, you know, I, I give them that much credit and, uh, you know, learn to build on that. See, see what, uh, look at the tape. Let's, let's figure out what it is that went wrong. All of a sudden, we were giving up a lot of chunk plays. Then we weren't giving up a bunch of chunk plays. Then we started giving up chunk plays. And, and I don't think Appalachian State changed anything. They did. It's up to the staff to figure out how, how were we successful during that stretch of the game. Now, what, the biggest State. thing is they got, they got a little more pressure, I think, in that, in that stage of the game. I, I thought they got, uh, you know, the, the couple of the mistakes that, that, that App made, they were, you know, Bryce was under pressure. Uh, they didn't get a whole lot of pressure in this game otherwise. Mm, absolutely. So, so if we're looking at the defense – um, and Jason, I'll, I'll start with you and then bounce back to Buck. Um, are there any positives? I mean, Cedric Gray had a good game, good interception. Where, you know, the and Buck, I referenced it to you off the air. That last two point conversion stop reminded me of State in 98 or 99 in Charlotte, where Earl Hood and David Bomar stopped the State guy just short of the end zone, where you got Noah Taylor making the initial one and came in Rucker coming up and, and finishing it off. Otherwise, who knows? They might still be playing, um, or at least they'd have played for another hour. But are there any positives that anybody, fan base, coaching staff, players themselves, can take from that performance on that side of the ball yesterday, Jason? Any? Um, there are a few, but they're, they're you know, not, not big ones. Uh, I thought Cedric Gray – was a positive on the whole, you know, he made some mistakes, but that interception that he had and a few of the recoveries that he had, that guy's an athlete. 
and uh, and it's a good eraser there to be able to. I mean, they would have had a number of plays that would have been much bigger plays if if Cedric Gray didn't have the wheels he does. So that that's one. And I did think Des Evans. This was one of the better games that Des has played in terms of being able to flash and 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 make some plays here and there. Uh, you know, beyond that, everything else was kind of as we've seen it, and the majority of it was not positive. So I'm I'm, I'm going to go back and when I start prepping these uh, these videos that I'll be doing for analysis this week. I'm going to, I'm going to take a look at a lot more, more closely. So maybe, maybe a few more positives stick out, but you know, on my, on my first watch, there were, there were not a bunch of positives on the defensive side of the ball, as you would expect in a game where you give up, you know, 338 yards and 40 points in a quarter. Got anything, but any positives for you? You mentioned the chunk play deal. uh, Yeah, I I think, um, we've gotten to the point where we've plucked all the feathers off this turkey on the, the defense and we can move on a little bit. And one of the things I'd like to move on to, cause I think we kind of rushed past Drake may a bit, huh. uh, that maybe what made me think about Drake again is Vin, uh, Jason talking about film review study. I'll be very interested to see what, uh, plays Jason picks out for some of the throws that, that may made, uh, yesterday, because some of them are throws that NFL quarterbacks cannot make a bunch of them just cannot make that throw. Um, that the one to, um, uh, Gavin Blackwell over the middle, uh, 36 yards. And that ball did not move a foot up and down on the way to get there. You know, it was like on a flat line uh, all the way to Black Blackwell. And then uh, the throw in the end zone to um, where he, he, was, he was probably maybe 15 yards from the uh, end zone. I'm trying to think of who caught that ball. Uh, but he just flicked it, basically, uh, and uh, threw a touchdown pass. Trying to remember who caught that one. but um, You're talking about the one over the middle in the end zone? Oh, there, there, there were a lot of ones in the end zone. Over the middle in the end zone. I think that was Pesor. Pesor. Um, you know, the one to Nesbitt in the end zone. Uh, there were just a number of throws that he made that, you know, that's what you see on Sundays. You know, that's what you see, you know. With the good a, quarterbacks on Sundays. Right. And and so I'd be very interested to see how uh, Jason diagrammed some of those plays. Um, and, and he has just been – you know, I talked a little bit about uh, the, um, you know, he's thrown nine TD passes. But think about some of the stats. Now I know it's Florida A&M and, and, and uh, Appalachian State. There's Appalachian State's a good group of five defense. They're not a great power five defense. They're not Georgia, for example. Let's put it that way. Oh my gosh, Georgia. Uh, but, but he was, you know, so far – he is 10 of 18 throwing the ball on third down. And he's converted, uh, let me see, 10 of those throws for first down. I mean, he's completed 10 passes, um, completed 12 passes on 18 third down throws. 10 of them have gone for the first down. He's run the ball 16 times and 
almost half of those times, seven, that's to run a pick up a first down. So he is a chain moving son of a gun. You know? <laughs> uh, he, he knows how to move the chains. And if he could keep that up, that bodes well. And, and that parlays a little bit back into the defense. The way the offense is performing, it's giving the defense time to figure out some stuff. And that's a positive in my, my opinion. Um, and Oh, random stats third on third and four to six yards. He's th- completed five of six of those throws. All five of his completions went for a first down. Uh, it's just insane how good he is at converting first down. Um, and a lot of that, I love to see PFF stats about this. Um, you know, one of the things that people will talk about on the, PFF talks about quite a bit when they do their stats is how good is a quarterback under pressure? And I think Drake may is outstanding under pressure. DJ Jones touchdown, for example, um, they had like seven or eight guys coming in uh, on a blitz to tackle uh, may. And he just tossed it out to Jones for what ended up be a 46 yard touchdown, something of that nature. Um, and, and did that under an incredible amount of pressure. So, you know, I think in that regard, his height helps him a lot because he can look over or see over what's coming at him to an extent. And so that opens up his vision downfield a little bit over the middle and, and in other places, but North Carolina doesn't win this game last year. I don't believe not without Josh Downs. Does anybody believe that, uh, that they would have won this game at Appalachian without Josh Downs last year? Um, they don't well, win this game the last couple of years. Well, uh, 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 the question is, are we saying does last year's offense win with this year's defensive performance? Because I don't think last year's defense would have given up 61 points against this app team. It's essentially the same defense. Huh? Right. But I don't think last yeah. year's would have given up 61 points. Yeah. Well, uh-oh, we're raising the should we have fired Bateman ugly head here, are we, on this podcast? I, I said nothing of the sort. I'm just saying I don't think last year's defense would have given up 61 points or 40 points in a quarter. Yeah. It is uh, – let, let's – I mean, bottom line, Drake May is pretty good. He can play football pretty well. But something else that I thought was very interesting in this one, and uh, remember we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Take care of them. Mm. They Woo. take care of us. Uh, get your 10% off. A lot of, lot of Carolina fans in app yesterday sporting some Johnny T-shirt gear. So look after them and get your 10% and all that good stuff. Uh, but Jason. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... 
Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't think Carolina missed Josh Downs a bit yesterday. Maybe you say otherwise, but Pace Hour looked really good. Nesbitt. Blackwell had some catches. I mean... J.J. Jones looked good. I, this is truly a plug-and-play offense, but Drake May is clearly extremely good. But we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about pace hour stepping in and just – those are Josh Down numbers. I mean, all you do is switch that name on the stat sheet, and that's Josh Downs. Eight for 92, touchdown, caught all eight of his targets. Um, speak to that guy. I mean, really, all all three of the young – wide receivers uh Pesar, jones blackwell i mean jones set the tone early in the game with a couple big catches uh yeah it sure it didn't look like they missed josh downs now here's the thing app state did get they forced a punt on the second drive and then i get well the fumble wouldn't have mattered and then there was a punt in the fourth quarter so you know maybe with josh downs <laughs> it wouldn't have been a punt uh, they scored you know, 80. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'd have scored 80. I don't know. But, um, but you know, I think you still miss Josh Downs' ability to uh, convert shorter stuff into longer chunk plays, a little bit higher percentage. I mean, he, he is a little quicker and, and, and more explosive than, than Pesor. But when you look at the – like you said, when you look at the numbers, those look like Josh Downs' numbers. And when you look at what they were able to do downfield, yeah, I mean that that they, they were able to. When you score, when you score, you've got thirteen total drives, including the uh, the kneel down. So in twelve drives, you, you score on uh, nine of them. It doesn't seem like you're you're missing a an all American there. So. Yeah, give those young guys credit. I think you also have to give the the offensive coaching staff credit for that. Give Longo and 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 Galloway some credit for developing these young guys. I mean, Jones, Pesor, Blackwell, these are these were good prospects coming out of high school. But, you know, let's be fair, they weren't five-star Andre Green coming out of high school and they've developed quickly. I mean, these are guys that are in their second year in the program. Uh, these are guys that, that, you know, receivers normally take some time and they were consistently on the same page with the quarterback. This is an offense that wants your guys to run to grass. In certain cases, you're going to have to make a little, little adjustments on the routes. You have to be, you know, pretty precise in certain respects, uh, on what you're, what you're asked to do, just like any, any college offense. And those guys did it. So, you know, give the, give the coaching staff some credit for having those guys ready to play 
in the absence of, you know, you're, you're all American being on the sidelines. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a major positive. And of course, Nesbitt and Morales had three catches a piece as well. Uh, you know, Hood and DJ Jones each had a catch. George Petaway had two catches. So, I mean, at a certain point, it also helps when you're, when your quarterback just spreads the ball such that, you know, you're not force feeding one guy, the ball 12, 14 times. You're, you're just, Oh, that guy's open. Well, I'll get it to him. He is definitely seeing the entire field in every play. You know, you mentioned Caleb Hood. He he looked good on the long run. Petaway, Hampton fumbled and had some issues. But it, it the hot hand approach on the running game. But Buck, let's let's sort of wrap this one up. Uh, Carolina, uh, I think the title of this is going to be they won. Um, and ultimately, that's really all that matters. And Mac Brown said that repeatedly in in post game press conference. I'd be interested to what Jason said and what you what I wanted to mention before. The development of guys on offense has been impressive. Uh, the way the coaching staff has developed guys, talented guys, but developed them into being um, not just talented guys, but big time producers. Other side of the ball, maybe that discussion can be had. But Buck, wrap us up here. Give us the overarching thought. Um, and what you see down the road starting next week at noon in Atlanta, Turner Field, or whatever they call it now that Georgia State's taking over. Well, before I get there, I, I did want to uh, single out Caleb Hood a bit um, for yesterday's game because I think it was uh, App State had gone up 21-7, to and North Carolina was struggling at that point offensively to some extent. And that's when Hood had a uh, catch and run, 22-yard conversion. And um, that, I think, flipped the switch, switch for the offense a bit. I think that kick-started them. Uh, and he was – he uh, an App State defender had him dead to rights, uh, you know, near the goal, uh, near the line of scrimmage. And uh, he broke it for 22 yards. And I think that that converted the first down and got North Carolina moving on that drive and ultimately resulted in a touchdown. But as far as, far as Georgia state goes, uh, now Georgia state brings back a very experienced squad. I mean, uh, they're a team that's got a lot of fourth and fifth year players on it. Um, they're, they're capable of, um, playing fire, uh, power five teams. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, uh, I think they lost to Auburn by 10 points last year and maybe had the lead going into fourth quarter, if I'm remembering right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, this is not a team that's just going to roll over for North Carolina. Uh, they're going to have to be on their game. They're just coming off a, a very emotional, uh, hard fought win on the road in Boone. Um, and they need to get that win out of their head quickly and focus on, uh, Georgia State because uh, Georgia State's going to come to play football and you know the the, the game at Auburn was at Auburn so they're not going to be intimidated by anybody now North Carolina did beat them last year what 59 to 17 but I don't know that you can uh, you know transfer that result to this year at Georgia State particularly since we don't know if the defense is going to improve at all over this past week. So that's a concern. You have to worry about that. How well is the defense going to respond to what happened to them 
up in Boone. Other than that, we got Drake May, so I'm feeling pretty good about the game. Be in every game as long as that guy's taking snaps. Now, here's the thing. Here's one other thing. The ACC in general, not just UNC, but UNC and the, the rest of the ACC in general need to stop scheduling these road games against group of five teams like this. I mean, you look at State, should have lost yesterday. UNC should have lost yesterday. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech did lose. Now, Virginia Tech, I'm not counting because they're 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 not they're, they don't have a quarterback on their roster that's a power five level quarterback. So I mean, and they're gonna like they're 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 at the bottom. They're gonna be at the bottom of the ACC this year. I mean, they're, that's a bad football team. But uh, Greg Barnes was just a year late on that. Uh, yeah, prediction. Yeah, and, and let me throw this in, Jason, too, because I, I want to say this because I like to admit very big errors that I've made. And on our over and under podcast, I picked the under. I was pretty much <laughs> consistently under on uh, Brian uh, Bryson Nesbitt, uh, six and a half touchdowns. He's already got two. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, we're I'm all pretty comfortable. He, I think he's going to uh, exceed that 6.5 mark. Uh, yeah, well, sure. I think Go part ahead. of that is that, is that, you know, we're all – uh, all of us who took the over on the, the, the 30 touchdowns for Drake may are feeling pretty comfortable about that over too. So, yeah. Uh, but third of the way there after two games, but you know, here's the, here's the interesting thing to think about in, in this, and this gets to, uh, UNC should not be playing on the road in Boone and then at Georgia state, let alone in the same season with Virginia tech losing to, to old dominion, the ACC has now lost. And this is per David Hale has now lost 20 road games against non-Power 5 teams in the playoff era. 20 road games as a conference. Lost that many. They've lost that many in the Power 5 era. The SEC has played 22 road games versus non-Power 5 in that stretch. So, and and Hale makes the, the right observation here. The return on investment for those games is not what a lot of ACC athletic directors think it is because you know, you, what, what you're, what they're doing is they don't want to pay the big money payout to get that team to visit you without you visiting their place. And so, you know, you, you, you're penny wise pound foolish and you say, okay, fine, we'll go, we'll, we'll visit you and we'll do like a two for one or something. And so they get your, they get their home game out of it. And you don't have to pay the extra, you know, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, half a million dollars to get them to come to your place without without a return trip. SEC programs are like, yeah, we'd rather not go to that snake pit and have a chance of really getting beat. We're going to have you come here where you're really much less likely to lose or to, to give us a loss. And we'll pay you the four hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars necessary to make this a much less likely loss. This is something that that the UNC brass and the rest of the ACC needs to needs to take a page from that and say, look, first of all, some some of these some of these teams, it's it's you know maybe maybe don't even schedule. Uh, and 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 if you are going to put them on the schedule, when you're playing Georgia State, it needs to be in Chapel Hill every time. When you're playing App State, it needs to be in Chapel Hill every time. Because you and, and yeah, you know. App State beat North Carolina and Chapel Hill the last time, but it, it's less likely. And if you're going to do it, do it in Chapel Hill 
you can't afford to have these road games because those those are those are those are good teams. And those turn into really hard games on the road because those those are those program Super Bowls. And, you know, Tommy, it was pretty good atmosphere there yesterday. Yeah, it was really nice. It was very fun and boom. Yeah, I, I will I will I will say one thing. Uh, App State fans need to um, come up with some better taunts. <laughs> pre-game taunts they were yeah. really not good you're not good something yeah. like that yeah so but but at any rate that that's something that, that that i think is an important conclusion about this in terms of program building if you're the unc brass that's something you have to think about and say you know what don't be penny wise pound foolish you got to schedule to help your team you got to schedule to build your program and to build in more likely wins I would wager you mentioned the SEC's paid twenty two. I'd wager that all of those come from the bottom ones: uh, Vanderbilt's, Kentucky's, South Carolina, pe- people like that, not the big dogs in there. Alabama right. ain't visiting Troy. Never. And uh, money talks, and we've we've had that discussion um, a long time. Anyway, they won. Carolina won sixty three sixty one. Over App State, and it was insane in that place. I mean, that, give that crowd a credit. Uh, it was pretty, pretty, pretty raucous. I would say. How about a hostel of Vista baby from uh, Staples and uh, Arnold? You're not coming back. Hasta la Vista, <laughs> baby. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, yeah. I gotta, yeah. gotta get it right. Hold on, Hasta la Vista, baby. We are we are sliding into the abyss. It's like sliding <laughs> off one of those mountains up there. Jason and Buck, it's been fun. It's been the day after podcast. Uh, this game will be <clears> broken <throat> down forever um, in the annals. You know, forty points in a quarter and still won. I, I'd like to see who's done that before. Guys, it's always a pleasure. Johnny T-Shirt is always our sponsor. Take care of them. They take care of us. We'll see you next time. We'll be back. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-man. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.